the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC on ESPN 8 After Party Edition. Recapping results, your thoughts, and much more. Let's go. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. As everybody piles in here, I'm going to do my obligatory walk and talk as I share this stream. Of course, we're going to be recapping results for UFC on ESPN 8. So if you don't want any of those spoilers, stop. Go catch up on the event somehow on the interwebs. I would recommend Legal Ways uh, through ESPN's website and check out the event. Come back here. Give it the old like and subscribe and all that uh, good stuff. And if you're listening on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, of course, thanks for joining. Of course, you can always give five-star ratings and reviews uh, over there as well. All right. Here we go. Live now. I'm talking hashtag. Anyone else get confused with the hashtag game? Like, I, I liked it when it was Jax because then I could just, like, throw Mortal Kombat just on the uh, old Twitter sphere all day, and that was fun. But, yeah, it's hashtag UFC FL. All right, as people pile in here, of course, you know the drill. You can, um, if you didn't already submit questions, although for these kind of live things, let's exercise the live chat, shall we? Uh, hit me with it in the chat. Um, here, here. I'm, I'm still not used to doing this. Uh, but yeah, I, I can see it just fine for those of you that want to submit questions. Otherwise, I'm going to recap these like I break them down on the Protecting Neck podcast. We'll recorded version of this. will go down later. Um, the after party edition, as I call these recap shows. Uh, we're going to go from top to bottom. Um, so we did pretty good on this event. Uh, you know, I mean, it depends. We could have done really bad because there are so many fights that could have gone the other way, perhaps should have gone the other way. And if anything, I think the common ground we can all agree on is that there could have even been draws, which kind of just brings up this whole win show pay structure that I already didn't like. I'm sure you already didn't like. And, um, it's highlighted here. So, man, I hope USC goes back to being old school. Um, apparently, we still give the backroom bonuses. But, like, you know, like, remember when, like, the Campman Sanchez won? Like, Dana didn't agree with it. And he actually went and, like, you know, um, flexed his FU power and money and, like, just, like, double bonus the fighters. Like, I like that. Um, I like that uh, attitude there um, as far as that goes. But uh, hopefully these fighters, win or lose, are getting paid for putting up hell of fights and i don't want to get too lost on the judges thing i think and i feel guilt uh, you know i fall guilty of that as, as we all and we shouldn't let it sour the taste and the more important things at hand which we will get to in the main event but um objectively i mean it really was a good night of fights putting you know uh, the usual mma stuff like judges scores aside it was a really good night of fights i think we you know had some 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 good nights of fights the prior uh you know evenings too Albeit, there was a lot of different emotions between the stoppage of the co-main event of UFC 249 to being happy for Gaethje and sad for Tony and curious of what that damage did and getting a whole nother damage question to answer to cap off, which what was arguably a, a fairly action-packed card the other night for UFC Jax. Um, so UFC on 
ESPN eight, what we're recapping now and what, you know, again, what you think of the scores aside, what I think was an objectively, uh, objective, objectively good card, by the way, cheers, y'all. Trying not to drink as much in general, but, um, I haven't really drank during podcasts for feels like almost like a couple of years now, but for these after party editions, I will perhaps have a cocktail with you guys tonight, Cap, my evening. Uh, so thank you for joining me. All right. So in the main event, of course, we had Alistair Overeem versus Walt Harris. Alistair Overeem was the underdog. Um, you know, perhaps in hindsight, maybe I guess we could question why, albeit we've seen Overeem at dogs, dog odds, uh, you know, before this twilight of his career, if you want to say it uh, that way. And I don't want to be negative because, like, look, you know, just like Deshera, like, look at the dog that came out, you know, and kind of like Deshera and kind of like both main events. In fact, I tweeted this. Um, Real quick, I want to page and note that. Let, 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 let's get a quick recap off the top. We went 0-1-1-1-2-1-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-1-2-
the guy you're fighting, or you put so much space, like beyond tortoise in the hair space, so that when you drop this pack, the veteran is nowhere near. Because even if the veteran is close, or you think, yeah, he looks far enough in my rearview mirror, I think I'm safe. No, no, you put down that pack too early, you go too hard too fast, and against the veteran who knows what to do. As we see what happened, the veterans won, the underdogs won. We can argue if they should have been underdogs or not. Grats to everybody who cashed both those. I was on the wrong side of those. I ain't trying to front. I'm just trying to point out a real uh, who came up with that, Robert Fallis. So picking up the pack. And yeah, Walt Harris had the pack. He picked it up. He put it down. And Overeem really just, just took it to him. Um, and you could tell it was, you know, mixed between a cardio issue, Walt coming in heavy, ill preparation at camp, everything he's been through. Who could blame him? Not trying to criticize him, just ob observing and vocalizing my observations. But then also there was part of it where, man, and I get it, Walt's a striker. He ain't shying away from it. He'll admit it. But he did not like being on that bottom position. That really took a lot out of him. He tried to recoup the second round smartly, but excuse me. As soon as Overeem rocked him, man, and got him to the ground, that was uh, that was all she wrote there. So uh, good on Overeem, and that was just all class, man. That was hard to watch, you know. Um, I think I tweeted something along the lines of, like, it was really raw, and it's really hard because I, I, you're not going to do it justice with a tweet. But basically he's crying, and Overeem just all class immediately goes to console him. And it's funny because Overeem's, you know, he's moved on from that bullying portion of his career. He suffered and been humbled by so many knockouts, right? Um, he's just like the consummate professional at this point of his career. And he's being completely classy to Walt, trying to console him. And, and he says something along those lines, which is what I tweeted and quoted, like, uh, what do you say? Um, oh, let's train together, yeah? And that reads probably Cole Callis, meaningless even, if it, you're just reading a tweet. But... To me, it was kind of like, and again, I, I hate to make this comparison because it's not like a complete word-for-word uh, -word comparison because, again, Alistair's moved on from the bullying. But it was almost like when you have two two kids, mainly boys, right? And there's one really strong personality boy and is really kind of bullying and elbowing and taking toys and, and kind of controlling the action. And perhaps we've been there. Perhaps we've been one of these two characters, right? Or we've definitely seen it. And what happens is eventually you poke someone so much that either they're going to fight back or they're going to cry right and um and then you know the kid will cry and the bully will kind of you'll just kind of all of a sudden it'll take the kid crying for the bully to realize oh crap i, I must have did something bad uh hey uh do you uh want to play with my truck instead you know and whether they're doing it because they don't want mom to hear because the bully doesn't want to get in trouble or the, bu the bully just genuinely feels bad it was like that moments of like ah oh, fuck what i do and even though Alistair did his job, Alistair didn't do anything wrong, mind you. It just, it felt like that scene of like two kids, like one trying to console the other. And uh, yeah, yeah, that was, that was, that was tough. Uh, John Hill Co. Sorry if I mispronounce your name. I appreciate uh, your content. Great follow on Twitter as well. He says a lot of close fights. You feel any of them were robberies. I don't feel any of them were robberies, although I think people are going to argue when we get to two fights from now, um, John, which was uh, Edson versus Ige. And I feel like I could be overcorrecting the steering wheel in both ways. One, from my obvious bias toward Ige, but two, because I scored it for Edson. And I think them stopped something a little earlier the next night. You know what I'm saying? Well, 
just like we can criticize those overcorrecting the steering wheels, I think we need to remember like to look in the mirror sometimes. And this goes for me included because we can do that too. We can overcorrect the steering wheel. And I look back at my tweets with that question exactly in mind with the robbery question, John. And I don't really feel like I was too hard one way or the other, but I definitely felt the emotions of the night. Granted, folks, a lot of my podcasts and people I talk to and am friends with online are the gambling degenerate types. So these are kind of my radar. This, 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 this incorporates my bias, but people seem along those lines to definitely have most problems with Barbosa and Ige. Um, media and then people in general, just again, by being affected by the overcorrecting of the steering wheel, you know, you're getting decisions, whether they're close or, or questionable or not, you, you keep getting them and judges keep playing into their unfortunate stereotype. Um, it's not right. And again, we should all check ourselves, but at the same time, I totally understand and get why people are, are getting upset about the judges to where, even if it's a close fight, you could justify scorecards either way. If not a draw for Gedalia or Hill, you had people like going nuts about it. Um, Yadong Vera was another one, you know, uh, I got to go back and watch these. And I reserve that right for my opinions here, folks, not as a cop out, but Hey, this is a live recap. Like we just got done. I haven't had time to watch it. Uh, and I know my man, John's not putting me on the spot here. Um, but I, I will say on that note that I would say that Yadong versus Vera off the top of my head has about as much reason to be upset with Ige Barbosa for different reasons. However, the common thread with a lot of these close fights is it kept coming down to round two perception. Now, I haven't went back to look at the scorecards officially what's been submitted, but from what I saw to what other people along my timeline who I, whom I respect were seeing, um, whether you were on one side or the other, I think, you know, round two was a common thread. Uh, any others that were kind of odd? I think there was one that was a split, perhaps that shouldn't have been a split. Um, Nate Lamour versus Darren Elkins, that was a close one that had people scoring everywhere, but that was a fight that could have been scored everywhere. Uh, so no issues there. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think it's just those three fights. Um, I don't think any robberies. Long-winded answer, job. I don't think any robberies. Andrew, Claudia won. Angela didn't finish strong the last two, three minutes of the third round. You know, I got to rewatch it, Andrew. But here's one thing I will notice, and this isn't like a uh, criticism of the commentary team, who the UFC always does stellar uh, always, but even more of a stellar job as far as grooming new talent. So I definitely, and in no way or shape or form, criticizing commentary, but you guys do need to be careful because something that's going to happen naturally because they're watching live, they're human beings. Um, and you hear people criticize Rogan for this a lot, right? You can get stuck on a narrative or stuck praising one fighter. And again, I, I, I hate abusing this overcorrecting the steering wheel notion, but there, there's that too, right? Where, you know, um, whether you like one fighter and you're worried about coming off that way or whether one fighter is kind of the underdog and you want to make sure they're not forgotten about. But what, what ends up happening is you almost give them too much praise. And a lot of the times, uh, like, for example, round three, uh, roundabout way in mastering here, Andrew, round three and then that third round. Um, I think that's why you had such varying scores compared to what maybe the commentary was like. It was a much closer round. That being said, you know, again, I reserve the right to watch it again. I, I did lead Angela Hill. Um, but again, that that's for her, you know, dropping her in the second round, which we'll get to later in the card. That wasn't necessarily a guarantee. You're going to win the round tonight, folks, whether we agree with that or not, that's just unfortunately how it played out. Um, but yeah, that I have no issue with, with you thinking Claudia won. So uh, I'm going to have to rewatch that. Uh, 
and while we're on that fight, yeah, yeah, that was a pretty much my breakdown of that fight. Uh, I think Claudia gets the first round, no question. Um, the second was kind of similar to the fight we'll talk about next with Barbosa and Ige, where you've got the body of work done by maybe not even the body of work because that's that's kind of unfair. Both rounds and both fights were competitive. That is round two, but you got the cuts, maybe even two cuts that Angela Hill scores on Godalia plus drops her right. So it comes down to three on most people's scorecards. So not a robbery. I think we should remind ourselves that, folks. That being said, hey, I'm with you. Like as far as the judging goes, I think the judging, I think the judging underperforming is on par for MMA, right? But as far as our perceptions, we, you know, which we're all wrong for these Jacksonville cards, right? We're like, all right, you know, a bunch of people are going to miss weight, and I think it was only like one or two per card. Cardio is going to be bad. Like most people's cardio were, were good, even like aggressive guys like Gaethje or Nico Price. You know, striking is going to be affected. Winners and losers all showing improved striking. Judges are going to be much better and officials are going to be better at stopping and judging action because there's going to be no crowd interfering, as we've seen. Not necessarily the case. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it. it, it um, I get people upset with the judging. I'm not disagreeing with you. We're going to tell you not to be, but at the same time, again, we got to – we got to look in the mirror here and realize that it's easy to get caught up in the motion of the entire card and in the on Nunez undercard. Um, I'd be for it. You know, it's crazy. I was coming in here and I got ESPN playing in the background and it's like ESPN, the sidebar. And it's not like the UFC post fight show or anything. It's like the actual like ESPN heads and guys I'm not familiar with, but I know they're important. And it was great because they just have like this like. Um, it feels like I'm in the movie Idiocracy where you're in this like alternate reality. Cause if you told me back in like the pride days that Alistair Overeem was going to be front and center, like to win MMA fights in four decades. And it's just such an MMA stat, like to be on the sports leader. Like that was pretty fucking cool. I think we should all appreciate that. Um, but yeah, Overeem, I'd be for that. Yusuf, Andrew judging was fair. It's part of the game. Win some, lose some. You're absolutely right, sir. It all evens out at the end of the day. Well, I'm sure Angela Hill won't fall too far back. Next fight, Edson Barbosa versus Dan Ige. We touched on this one enough. Um, yeah, yeah, this one was tough. I, I Again, I scored it for – I feel bad saying that, you know, even though I admitted my bias and saying that I'm happy for Ige and his team, which I am, I still feel bad uh, maybe because I'm an, I'm, a, I'm an empathic dude. And uh, a lot of my degenerate mates um, were heavy on on Barbosa, man. And I am not blind and a one-sided uh, MFer. You know me. I'm very sympathetic to all sides, and I don't really get high off wins. Um, not really. I'm not really that guy. So I definitely felt bad, and I felt bad because I scored for Barbosa too. Um, that being said, I usually am a guy that will be maybe it's being contrarian. Maybe it's just because I'm that kind of a guy where uh, like. I, I don't get lucky. I'm not athletic. Um, I'm not good at timing shit. So like if I get any progress, I have to really work with work for it, whether it was in martial arts or otherwise. So seeing somebody do and Ige did not win 90 percent of the round. I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying seeing somebody do like a 90 percentile work rate and then get rocked at the end. I think more of an accurate um, example of that is Yoel Romero versus Robert Whitaker two, round four, um, I want to say. Uh, but, but yeah, it was, you know, and, and I believe most of those judges in that case still gave it to Robert Whitaker, right? Because it was only, um, they, they only gave Romero around, what was it? Three and five. And then they, they chipped him as far as not giving him 10 eights. Not trying to rehash that. Just, 
just showing precedence to how MMA judges are fucking wild cards, man. They are wild cards when it comes to scoring that type of round. And in, in their defense, that type of round is very hard to score. Um, and another thing with MMA judges, not to, again, come at them, and but I, I made sure to specify MMA judges in the tweet because boxing judges is obviously a lot less to judge. They're a bit better, a bit, a bit better at judging body work, whereas MMA judges, they don't. And that's what I've been tweeting after it became, to me at least, clear at UFC Jacks. And I said, we're getting the same kind of scorecards in Texas at UFC 247. Um, well, we're not scoring the counterpunching and body work very much. So fighters adjust accordingly. And not that Edson was strictly countering, but I, I would argue he's probably you know picking his shots and having his best uh, moments countering. And obviously that body work at round two that earned him the scorecard on most people's scorecards at least, right? Or maybe not most, but at least from what I saw. Um, however, he didn't drop Ige. Ige pulled guard, so it's like, okay, we can interpret and perceive that Ige was hurt to the body, and he was, and he admitted it. I'm not arguing that. But again, from an objective judge's perspective, where he doesn't know solids, he just has to go what he perceives to see. And how much do you judge a guy for pulling guard? Sure, it wasn't effective, but there was only 10 seconds left, and he arguably saved himself from damage. You know, um, I forget who it was who said that. Uh, I don't think it was Leoto Machida, but it might have been someone facing Machida saying that, yeah, it sucked to get dropped from a body kick, but if I'm going to get dropped and have the wind knocked out of me, I'm going to stay there and invite him into my guard. It looks pathetic, sure. It's not going to score me points, sure, but it's going to allow me to recover. I, did. I awarded Edson for it, but again, folks, like I, I tweeted it live, don't be surprised if MMA judges don't award body work the way it should be, and they didn't, right? So Ige wins. Um, I was biased. Was for Ige played Ige. You know those two or three uh, dog hits that that, that went tonight. Um, sure, yeah, I, I can't complain there. But I feel for Barbosa, man. That's like two split decisions that you can strongly make going his way. And again, I'm I'm I picked and uh, imagine he does not like the judges right about now. All right, next fight: uh, Anders versus Yutko. Um, Part of me was hoping the judges got this wrong, not going to lie, but I had no issue scoring it for Chris Yoko. Um, that's why I had a 4-2. Like I said, is it going to be either him? Eric showed better uh, things in regards to, you know, he was still followed at times, but in regards to corralling, fainting, and some of his striking technique. And he's arguably shown that in past fights. But, man, you know, like whether it's he's going against a vet too soon and he's too raw like against Machida or against Yoko. When he's going against these point fight fighters, these southpaw point fighters, he even when he hurts them, he was doing a good, he was doing a better job than I actually thought he was going to do for someone else picking Anders, uh, tagging him early. Again, the problem what I'm leading toward here, the common thread, is that like the dude's got like a hard wired to go for a tackle because he doesn't even go for the takedowns now, and he was getting deep in on both single uh, singles and connecting his hands uh, below the waist, um, trying to. Uh, try and dump guys all, uh, along the fence line. Um, and whether it was successful, if you're an Eric Anders fan, you want him to do well, um, which I do. But again, you know, I, I, I said this with uh, Greg Hardy folks, like I'm not coming at Greg Hardy or football players or anything like that. I respect, um, at, you know, the athletic skill, but just because you're a top-notch athlete, it's not going to guarantee you um, things in the sport, at least from the football background, because, you know, still waiting for that, uh, Consistent top 10 uh, fighter who came, who came from pro football. Still waiting for that. Not saying it can't happen, but just just a, just a perspective sobering. 
And again, I'm a guy who picked Anders, so I'm not I'm not trying to front or pump pump chest here. I was I was wrong. Uh, just saying. Marlon Vera lost a split decision. Was it a split or a unanimous? I don't know. Let's see here. Why don't you refresh the? Uh, yeah, it was it was a unanimous decision. Wow. Uh, Song and Dong. Yeah, that was that's right. It was 29-28 unanimous. Um, probably came down to the second round. I'm having trouble remembering it now, uh, like I predicted. But Cheeto was working through it, man. He was working through it. He got hit hard, and he did a good poker face poker face because he's got a great chin as well. Um, but Cheeto got hit hard, but he also worked through it. Um, and I came away with that one, thinking it was going to be 29-28 Vera. Vera did some really good stuff in the clinch. But like some other fighters who really needed it in the clinch, um, perhaps probably could have used a little bit more of that in hindsight, albeit I still scored it for him. But you know what I mean? Um, to really draw it out in crayon as, again, like I said, the breakdown part of this episode uh, prior that you're going to have to do with the judges tonight. You're going to have to draw it out for crayon, uh, draw it out in crayon for them. So, yeah, meet us all. Next fight. Um, by the way, hopefully Vera doesn't drop too far. He's on a hell of a win streak in Yadong, man. Like I said, he's got he's got more uh, he's got more luck with the officials than the early two thousands Lakers, you know. Tim Donahue, Tim Donahue, my ass. It was one mobbed up breath. Dan, let it go. Uh, <laughs> all right, Miguel Baeza defeats Mac Brown via TKO again. I thought you know, like Orlovsky, my old man bias was going to come through the wood chipper, but yeah, that's who I was referring to again. Just uh, not just like, but. Uh, more emphatically example of a guy who really needed to get it to the clinch more and just didn't get it there enough. Um, you know, just got stagnant for just a little bit and that's all it took by Aza hit him with a hard counter. Um, you could say it was a little bit of an earlier jump of the gun, but between how hard that shot was, the amount of damage Matt Brown's taken to the fact that it was more by Aza. That was, uh, that was some useful miles. It's like he had to get the ass kicking without getting a loss. So, you could obviously argue for his brain cells and otherwise that a clean victory is the best case uh, scenario. But for a young guy like that, the reason why I was picking against him was inexperience. I would argue that was a, a great case scenario. I mean, I was saying even the same thing for Ige when I was initially thinking he was losing heading up to the scorecards was that, um, you know, it was a good scenario for him. We always talk about Ige and Ige admits this. He always drops the second round and dude, he has the best second round probably of his UFC career against Edson freaking Barbosa of all people. Uh, I know he got hurt. I'm not trying to rehash that. I'm just saying, folks. Um, yeah. That one's for the immortal. All right. Uh, Kevin Holland, TKO'd Anthony Hernandez. Uh, this was a missed prop. I had uh, Kevin Holland by sub prop. Took a shot on that, like, uh, plus 600 um, flyer. And I guess you'd see why. Like, it didn't surprise me that Kevin Holland's as underrated hands. Again, he stopped Jeff Neal. Um, that was the first fight I saw of his. Uh, what was it called? Like uh, XF something. I don't know. GKO. I think it was like GKO um, or something like that. But uh, but yeah, I, I just thought that if he did hurt him with the hands, it was going to make Fluffy Hernandez shoot. Or if Hernandez hurt him, he was going to shoot because Hernandez tends to do that or vice versa. The thing was, it wasn't like uh, he hurt him with like a normal concussive blow. It was a solar plexus shot, which excuse me, off an elbow, granted, but it caught it caught Hernandez off guard. And with a solar plexus and or body shots, especially off guard shot, what happened? 
he went backwards. Very few shots send the guy backwards. And it, he didn't go backwards because he cowered. Hernandez is a is a tough guy, tough in the head, everything. You know, um, he wasn't cowering by any means. It was just one of those strikes where it sucked because it was like most strikes will parlay into the guillotine, right? Like the that's why the guillotine is the striker submission, right? Because you know, you're striking, you hurt him, putting pressure, putting pressure. They think they can fight through it. Eventually, the fighter is like, okay, I'm not going to fight through it. I need to shoot. And then there's their head. You got the guillotine. So it was really like, I, I, I do wonder if that D guillotine would have uh, would have still came through if, uh, if it was any other strike. Who knows? Either way, uh, good on Kevin the Holland. The smack man. Don't want to get smacked by the smack man. That's uh, from Kevin Holland's post-fight interview after Gerald Nearshart. It's not just me being weird, although I am weird. Yusuf Muhammad, why don't some fighters try to evolve by learning new disciplines instead of trying to improve what they know? I mean, it sounds so obvious. Like, why don't fighters fight smart? Why don't? Um, it, it's fighting to type, man. It's fighting to type. I there's plenty of thing is deeply tied to fighting style, whether we realize it or not. Um, Shaolin Kung Fu, some of the first martial arts, they have things like animal styles and all these funny things. What those really are are personalities. They're not you're not fighting like an animal. Yes, there's funny goofy stuff and like this stuff. Yeah, it's really just personalities. Um, for example, if you're a crane, you're probably a counterfighter. If you're a tiger, tigers are aggressive. Uh, you're going to probably be a pressure fighter, right? Well, if you're an aggressive fighter or a pressure fighter, you are probably, um, you know, you know. You might not be a bully or anything, but you, you've got a competitive, you've got an aggressive side to you. And although, albeit you might not be a bully, if you are a bully, you're probably not going to be a counterfighter. You get what I'm saying? In other words, it is so hard to fight against type because there's arguably a psychological rooting to style. And then you have the physical comforts of style, the muscle memory, right? Muscle memory isn't just what your muscle looks like to what it can look like over uh, over a fluctuation of period of time. Muscle memory also translates within the actions, especially when you were a martial artist. Muscle memory, in fact, takes up arguably a new and more important meaning. So as I agree, Yusuf, it is as simple as it sounds. As much as I agree, it's, it's just that's just not how it is. It is much harder than it seems to fight against type. Um, that's why, like I brought up in... Um, couple podcasts ago um my favorite mcgregor performance is against nate too regardless of how you scored that connor had to fight against type um and i think i brought that up when talking about justin gaethje more relevant more worthy performance to talk about against tony ferguson what did what did justin do he fought against type oh yeah but that's it um you get your gutsy defeated uh erwin rivera by unanimous decision I'm not going to lie. I ended up did, even though it wasn't on the official play, sprinkling a little bit of the TKO prop because Erwin Rivera looked like a do-or-die cat. He's been TKO before, but introduced me to the guys who knocked that guy out. I mean, the shots he took from Giga, who looked two weight classes up. Uh, Erwin looked like a bantamweight who wasn't cutting so he could make 145 on short notice, whereas Giga is a big first-time 145-er. He usually fights lightweight, and we saw that difference here. Very fun fight. I really hope they, they gave some backroom bonus money for that Irwin, Irwin Rivera for stepping up on short notice and uh, earning his spot, man. Earning his spot, whatever weight class he decides to compete in. Uh, Nate Lanva defeated Darren the Damage Elkins by name's decision. Um, man, I'm glad I stayed away. I had people I respect on one side of it, other people I respect on the other. Um, and that's what usually happens. I usually stay, I stay away from those fights and for, for good reason. 
um, because it was, uh, you know, it was unanimous, but it could have been just as easy as a split as the other avoid list one I had, which was uh, Yadon and Vera. Um, because this one could have been all over the place if you gave a 10-8 to Landware in the second. Did you edge Elkins in the third, or did you give it to Landware? Uh, I think Elkins won the uh, the first, um, but I don't think Landware stole it, so I, I had the first for Elkins. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I can't remember. I think I, I had I had it for Nate. I, I don't have an issue with the score there, but that one could have been scored all over the place. I'm I'm glad I avoided it, but because um, I I want I, I second guess. I picked Elkins to win, uh, so I was wrong here. I'm not going to front, and I even thought about playing Elkins. I'm glad I just. Just, just stuck to my own guns and avoided it. Um, and uh, I'm happy for Nate Landwehr, man, because I actually I wanted Nate, I wanted Nate to win. If you listen to the breakdown, I just felt like he was a really rude welcome wagon, given given the guy Darren Elkins um, stylistically for a second, you know, fight in the UFC. But that was the Nate the train I and many were excited about, folks. This guy's all action. Say what you will about uh, you know, his regional competition over in M1 or what he did or do. Or not. I mean, the guy was an action fighter. You know, you could say people hype him up too much. You can say people over and didn't hype him up enough. No, the guy's an action fighter, man. He's fun. Um, don't give him too crazy or meaningful matchups. Just just give Nate the train some fun matchups and let him earn some bonus money and entertain us. Courtney Casey made quick work. Didn't need the judges, which I've betrayed her before. Excuse me. Uh, arm barring. Mara Romero Borella. Uh, not much to say about that. I looked like a, a, she creeped up using like a corner lock variation at first. And no, she just steadily creeped up. And Mara should have seen it coming. She should have better known better. And uh, hopefully you better known better to uh, lay that sub prop on Rodrigo Nascimento who ended up subbing Dantel. Uh, Willie Mays bring the pain Hayes, whatever his name is. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh, again, didn't need to go to too much crazy tape study for that one. That, um, you know, uh, Maze is a guy to root for, and he's he, he he can put some fun stuff together. But where they were levels and stylistically, it was hard not to see him just falling into trouble with Nascimento and Nascimento not being able to take advantage of it on the ground, which he did. Um, so he won there. So that that's that. Thank you guys for uh, for joining me. Um, thank you for supporting this uh, channel by liking and subscribing to the video, subscribing to the channel. Um, Follow the podcast on all social platforms at the PYM Podcast. Of course, Technic Podcast version of this will be over here. Um, if you want to support the podcast as well, not just free things like sharing and five-star ratings and reviews. Also, please, if you're an Onnit shopper or uh, Amazon shopper, which we all are these days especially, go to MixedMartialAnalyst.com, my website that hosts this here program, linked in uh, the channel, linked in my Twitter profile, at DanTomMMA, where you can reach me, um, and side links for ways to support the podcast there thank you guys very much i'm actually gonna be back doing another, another live show tomorrow i didn't announce it yet but uh with the last dance finale i'm like you know what i'm gonna have a uh, have my dude matt wells from the slip and dip podcast podcast you should check out of course you've seen matt wells from fansided and many other outlets in the sport um me and matt love us some basketball you may have seen us tweeting the storm on your mma feeds on every sunday so we're actually gonna go live tomorrow um probably around eight 15 8 20 pacific time uh after the last dance ends if you want to join me here for those of you basketball fans uh, that'll be hey you have a great night too andrew thanks for everybody who chimed in with questions um 
And again, supporting the show. It really means uh, the world for uh, supporting this little circus. You guys have a great night. Stay healthy and always protect your necks.